0: So as we enter into this calendrical uh, change, and I say calendrical because we are a house that has embraced a timeless mindset. All last year, the Lord kept speaking to us and speaking to us, and we had at least four weeks in a row of, of a series on the timeless mindset. And the timeless mindset, is that we understand that even as I was sharing from the keyboard that you come from eternity and you return to eternity. You know, the Lord told Jeremiah, and he's not a respecter of persons. He said, I knew you before you were created in the womb. And if we're in him and he's in us, then we've been in him since eternity. It's just that like anything that springs forth in creation, our time comes at a certain moment. But it doesn't mean that you were finally discovered uh, on your birthday. No, you arrived here on earth on your birthday. And it doesn't mean that if the Lord should tarry and uh, we, any one of us, should pass this life, that's just an interruption in time because he has the power of an endless life. And so that means that we just transform as he says we will, into our next life. And that next life, which is a continuation of this life, is eternal. And the interesting thing is, is that he gives us little glimpses of Scripture to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. And, 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 and it says in the epistles that we will know him when we see him, because we'll be just like him. I don't know about you, but that one floored me the first time I read that. And you know, our first comment is, "Oh, wait a minute, nobody could be like God. Lord, Lord, no, no, I want to be humble. I don't want. No, but wait a minute. It says, we will be just like him. Like him, what? It's going back to Genesis, when it says, in Genesis 1:26, "Let's create man, both male and female, right? in our image and likeness." The image is the three persons we understand, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Our image is the flesh, the body, the soul, the mind, and the spirit. Flesh and body, soul and mind, spirit, image. But the likeness, the likeness is having the same eternal life and power that God has, the power of an endless life. And we see this as it comes forth in the book of Hebrews. Chapter seven, verse 16. And I'll read the whole verse. Actually, we should probably start in 15 to give you the precedent to it. But in it, if we go to Hebrews chapter seven, I'm gonna wait for him to put it on the board, verse 15 and 16. I want you to be able to follow this. Is it frozen? It's not, oh, there it is. And it is Far more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Now, let's connect the last verse and this verse. In the likeness of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, if you recall, is a mystery. Nobody knew where he came from, where he went. Some say the king of Solomon. All we know is that he had the power to bless and activate the covenant of Abraham. And that power was released when Abraham made an offering unto Melchizedek. That tithe released that power. And in it, the likeness then transfers to the power of an endless life. The two are linked together. Let's go back to Genesis one twenty-six. Adam had the power of an endless life. He wasn't supposed to die. Wasn't supposed to be sick. Wasn't supposed to be contaminated or polluted with any of the things of the flesh or disease or evil. And we all know the story, right? It's a terrible story. It's one we're still suffering from. There was sin. And that sin brought forth a whole different law. And that law we could call unlikeness. We, humanity, both male and female, were destined to unlikeness. Now, the Lord could've waited and just allowed humanity to be in the circus of, of, of not knowing and not understanding heaven and eternity, but he didn't do that. Isaiah cried out the first time to prepare us for the Lord. In Isaiah 43, he said, there will be one who will come and he will have a voice crying in the wilderness. The first, the first prepare the way anointing. And then we see Malachi coming forth and he picks it up and he sees it a little further. He said, there'll be a time when that Elijah anointing will be released. And he saw beyond what Isaiah saw. And he said, and that'll be just before the Day that dreadful day of the Lord. The dreadful day of the Lord is, in that time of coming, is the second prepare-the-way anointing. Now, as we transitioned this year, and we started with the timeless mindset, and I went back and looked at the words that were declared from this altar by me in 22-23, and that is that we were believing, believing God for a radical transformation last year. A radical transformation that once we transformed that way, we would not be going back. That it wasn't going to just be a regurgitation of what has been before. And it happened. And then we put a specific date on it. We prepared for Several months, if you recall, I had the, the prop of a threshold, and I was holding it, and I said, the Lord said, we're crossing the threshold. And we kept determining and specifying to understand, what does that mean? What's the threshold? And the word kept developing that once we cross that threshold, we will not go back again to where we came from and that we were going to enter into a whole new dimension to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, and all of a sudden, there was actually a time element placed upon it. You see, there was a time element placed on the first coming of Jesus. Now, that date wasn't recorded. It's a little confusing. There are different theological interpretations of whether that was one year or one month or one day or another, but we know about the time and era. And that was the first coming of the Messiah. And then there was a season of preparation. And the first part of that season was to protect the anointing because Herod wanted to kill him. John the Baptist was his cousin, and he said, kill all the boys that are two years and younger. We understand Jesus Uh, his father Joseph took the family into Egypt, one would assume that John and Elizabeth and that family and Zacharias, they also went into Egypt, at least Elizabeth and the baby, because he was preserved. They came back and they were interrupted in time by about six months between them. Six months between them. But John was sent into the wilderness to begin to prepare to prepare. For the coming of the Lord, and he cried out in the wilderness with an anointing. The first prepare the way anointing. And in that instance, all of a sudden, Jesus appears. And now we have that transition from the first prepare the way anointing with John the Baptist into the actual appearance and mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. Well, now we know there's a second one. And we know that from Malachi. We know it from Jesus himself. We know it from the angels, right? In Acts, why are you you gawking? Why are your mouths wide open? Just as he's left, so will he come back in the clouds. And those clouds are the, the, the clouds of the glory. He will return in the glory, clouds of the Father. So we know he's coming back. We know where he's coming back. Zechariah told us his feet will plant on the Mount of Olives. And then we have a whole bunch of prophecies, hundreds of them, that fulfill the first and the second coming. The first one's fulfilled and the second one's unfulfilled, but many of those prophecies leading up to preparing the way have been fulfilled. And we understand it has a lot to do with Israel, the regathering to the land, the land itself, the fact that everyone's waiting for this temple to be built. The fact that we understand that uh, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee, but gross darkness upon the earth. It's undisputable that there's darkness upon the earth. Good being called evil, evil be calling good. Knowledge increasing in instances of time that is beyond comprehension. I recall reading 20, 30 years ago, knowledge was increasing every 10 years and then soon it came every five years, and then it was every year, and then it was every month, and then it was every week, and now it's by the hour. By the hour. And and that's a little daunting, isn't it? It means that no matter how long you go to college, or how many degrees you pursue, or how many history channels you watch, or how many science, you can't get there. It's going faster than you can. And in the midst of all of that, We have good being called evil and evil be calling good. We have chaos with politics, nations at war, rumors of war, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, sudden sea walls crashing into land that come out of nowhere. People out idling on a boat in the middle of the ocean and all of a sudden a big swell of water comes and hits them and takes them 30, 40 feet in the air and back down and nobody saw it coming. If you watch the news, You'll see the signs every hour, every day. And we are those that the Lord has opened our eyes and opened our ears. We are those who have accepted to become watchmen, worshipers, and warriors. We first instituted that in 2016 with Potashield and now it's evolving and transitioning into the PTW, Prepare the Way. Watchmen are supposed to be those both male and female, right in this house, we've established it for our visitors, we want you to understand that, 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 that man is a species, not a gender, and both man, species, genders, female and male, and by the way, I don't think I have to preach it here, but maybe somebody's watching. If you were born a male, you're a male. If you were born a female, you're a female, no matter what you think you wanna be, okay? And for those of you, you know, when I first started teaching and preaching that, I don't know if you recall, It was like six years ago or something, and at that time, there was 12 different genders, believe it or not, then it was 32, then it was 64. I quit, because at 64, it was whatever you wanna be. You wanna be a putty cat, you're a putty cat. You wanna be a hamster, you're a hamster. You wanna be a dog, you're a dog. Whatever you wanna be, you can be, you can declare it. Seriously, 64 genders, 60. That's ludicrous. That's insanity. But, but beyond that, we understand that all of this is pointing towards one thing, the coming of the Lord. And I'm giving an overview so that we start this year together on the basis of understanding. I remember once on the stage in Jerusalem, on the Benyanea Umah, and I was a speaker for the night at the ICEJ, and typically it's 5,000 Christians from around the world. And as typical, you all know, I have a whole bunch of notes I'm not looking at, right? That's me. Typically, the Lord just, no matter how I prepare, we go a different direction or whatever He wants. So there I threw away whatever I had prepared very, very carefully, because they, they, they watch your time to the second. And the director of the ICJ was a very tall South African. He'd talk like this. And he would put the fear of him in you when you went out to speak. He'd put his, he's about this tall. He'd put his hand on there and squeeze a little bit. He goes, now, look at the clock. You've got 24 minutes. And so he'd like... You're getting in the spirit, you're moving, you're flowing. So, what do you do? You fast track pe- preaching. <laughs> and I'm preaching in the Lord, and the Lord gives me this clarification of a revelation. You see, it happened in that environment because that environment was bringing Christians through the ICEJ, the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. And the theme. That year was Isaiah 40, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell them that their warfare is accomplished. That's a prophetic word, right? Their warfare is not accomplished. In fact, it's never been more intense than it is right now. Never more intense than it is right now. And so that word came out, and I realized as I was looking out in the audience that probably the vast majority had no clue about the reality of the bride of Christ. And I find that it's very true in, in the body of Christ and in Christianity. You see, we're very arrogant and proud as believers. We are members of the bride of Christ. He's coming back for his bride without spot or wrinkle. That's us, we're the ones. And we figure that you know, the Jews are cut off, right? They're cut off forever. However, according to the prophets, they cry out through the word of the Lord. And he says, who gave you a writ of divorce? Come back to me and be married to me again. And we see in Hosea this beautiful, poetic vision. And I saw this vision one time of the daughter of Zion going out into the desert. And the Lord says, Go out to the desert, preach from the desert to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And all of a sudden it snapped to me. Wait a minute, in the desert isn't just the highways and byways of the world. It's the spiritual desert for Israel as well. And so the first time, most of them missed it. Thank God, not all of them, or you would not be walking in the power of God right now as believers in Christ, right? Right? The Jews are the ones who perverted scripture. The Jews are the ones from whom came the Messiah. The Jews are the first ones who converted unto belief in Messiah. The Jews are the ones who the disciples came out and every one of them uh, emaciated and persecuted to bring the word, but at the same time Israel cut off. But Romans 11:25 25 says, don't be ignorant of this mystery unless you're wise in your own conceit, which means what, stupid in your own mind, that blindness has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, and then all Israel shall be saved. You see, I hold on to that word. And I understand that fullness is not just a quotient of numbers, fullness is the purity of God, it's the preparation of the bride. So God's doing a twofold work with the Jews and with believers to prepare a bride and he's a monogamous God he only marries one time Jesus isn't coming to get married a couple times right he's coming one time one more time back he's not coming three times he's coming one more time back and he's coming for a bride both Jew and Gentile neither female or male praise the Lord and so there's a work going on in Israel right now. And let me tell you something, I'm not glorifying in what's happening in Israel. We're very tuned in. By the day my wife prays with the prayer teams in Israel. By the every morning when I come stumbling out, she's on her computer listening and praying with the people for Israel, from Israel and around the world. And almost every day I'm speaking to Samuel Smudge, my little brother, who's a pastor of the church of Jerusalem and one of the most influential Jewish believers in all the earth, if not the most. And I say that humbly. He won't admit it, but he is. There's not a major ministry, Christian ministry in the world that doesn't know Samuel and that doesn't respect him. There's not a messianic ministry in Israel and there's over 300 of them now that don't look up to him as an apostle even though they don't use that name and as a father of the messianics in Israel. Because his father was the first pastor in 1948 after recovering of, of the war in Jerusalem. And Laura Lee and I stumbled there the first time we went to Israel. And we've become so tight that we're so close. And I don't glory in the fact of what's going on in Israel. Most It's not in the news. I mean, it's terrible what's happening in Gaza, but they don't tell you that 300,000 Israeli families are displaced right now. They can't go home. Because their houses are being Missiled and threatened. Don't tell you that. And, and it doesn't tell you that you know, there are soldiers dying who are sons and fathers and uncles and grandfathers of families in Israel dying to do what we would do if somebody came and took our babies and put them in a microwave in front of us and fried them. Yeah, that's what happened. Raped our Wives and daughters in front of us, cut the heads of babies off while they were still in the cribs, set an old lady on fire in a wheelchair and burned her crispy right there in front of everybody. That's the horrendous thing that happened. We're not talking about trying to have a war. We're talking about uh, atrocious acts against humanity. People like that don't deserve to live. I'm sorry. They deserve to be eliminated from the earth. And so it's, it's sad because innocent people get caught up in that stuff. Both Jews and Palestinians get caught up in that stuff. But I assure you, if somebody came into Canfield, Ohio, and took about 1,400 of our people and killed our people and killed our children and did those kind of tortures in front of us, I don't think we'd be saying, let's find peace with them. I wouldn't. I remember once, you know, I was in a convocation I won't name it and that was when they were worried about shootings in churches, which they always are. And uh, I happened to know that about half of that congregation was packing, and you know the policeman at the door said, "Well, you know, we have a very set routine of what happens with an active shooter." I said, "I hope the routine is that whoever aims could shoot straight because that person's going to look like Swiss cheese before they get out of here." And I've often said that, you know, we have to deal with things ahead of time in our mind. How would we deal with something if it happens? Well, I've made that conclusion. If someone's knocking down my door and coming in with a pistol, I know what I'm gonna do. And then I'll pray for them afterwards. You see, we have to come to the point where we're not mishy-washy Christians in this era that we're coming into of gross darkness. You can't just want to uh, uh, excuse all kind of actions and say that, you know, if I don't, I'm not tolerant. Let me say something to you. We had somebody try to come in this house a couple years ago, was a cross-dresser, and he, she, it it was a he calling himself a she, and I got a response back from a family member, somebody, not mine, somebody's, Saying, Pastor, uh, he, she went into the woman's bathroom. And I'm concerned about my daughter in there. I said, I'll take care of it. I met he, she. And I said, ma'am, sir, whatever you want to call yourself, you're welcome to this house, but you are not welcome into our woman's restroom. And well, well, I what I do everywhere. I said, there's another one downstairs. I'll put your name on it. You could use it all by yourself. I said, but you're not going into our children's restroom. Not happening here. And then somebody else said, Pastor, aren't you afraid you're going to get sued? I said, bring it on. Bring it on. You see, we we can't be so wishy-washy and moved by the systems of this world that we don't stand anymore. We need to stand. And we need to be bold and courageous and believe in the power of an endless life and that we do have authority and power here on the earth today, and we need to stand for the sake of our children. If we don't, who will? Who will? Don't look at, you know, the hierarchy of denominations to be able to determine the ethics and morality of our belief anymore. They can't figure it out themselves. Thank God we're independent, but at the same time, we're all tied together, right? How many denominations, how many faiths are splitting because of those who will allow somebody who's gay to preach and to allow gay marriages and someone who won't? It splits them. And pretty soon we're going to see that split in the Catholic Church. Pope just came out two weeks ago. Makes me wonder about him. I don't know why he changed the rules, maybe to justify himself. I have no clue. I really don't care what he thinks because that was terrible. And I know many, many good Catholic people that I love and know very well, who their hearts are broken. They only have one choice, just like we all do. We have to come out. We have to come out of whatever's not right. You have to come out. And you have to, and that's, that's the message of the Lord in this hour as we cross the threshold. Restoration in the body of Christ and restoration of Jews And where I was leading to earlier when I told you I don't glory in the fact that there's suffering going on in Israel, I can tell you one thing, the soldiers that are out there in Gaza, a lot of them are praying and singing hymns unto the Lord. And the God of Israel hears them. Just because they don't say in the name of Jesus doesn't mean His ears are closed to them. Thank God for His mercy. His mercy doesn't come with legalism. Religion puts legalism on Him. I cried out to him for several months. I didn't know Jesus, but I was seeking God, Adonai. He heard my prayers. And it wasn't grace that saved me. It was his mercy that saved me. Mercy saves us from what we deserved and even failed at before we got to grace. We get grace once we're in Christ. His grace continues to save us. But grace didn't save me. I didn't know Jesus. Can't have grace without Jesus. It was His mercy. And He has mercy right now for the unbeliever and the Jew alike. That's why we need to evangelize. We need to crawl out for souls. But we also need to comfort Israel. And we need to understand that the church is sick. It's sick. It's diseased. And the church is trying to to, to do the business of the ministry instead of the business of the kingdom. Like Jesus said, in a church where, temple I should say, where he overturned tables and was upset about the business of the temple. If he were today in this earth, he'd be going from church to church, mega church to mega church, and all kind of churches, turning all kind of stuff over, saying I'm about my father's business. Don't make it a marketplace, and that's what's happened. We churn out young pastors. They come with zeal for the Lord. We send them to schools, and they come back out as administrators, and they lose their passion. A lot of times I tell people, stay away from those who are trying to put their hooks on you and make you a fashion of something like them. So, we enter again another calendrical year. First and foremost, I adjure you in this. Know that we are the people of God. There's a difference. And do you love God? If you could give me Romans 8, 28 for a moment, please. Do you love God? There's a difference for those who love God and those who believe in God. You see, the whole spiritual world believes God is. (laughs) The devil isn't going to dispute and argue with him. There's no God. He loves it when people says they are, and he just says, boy, they're really fools. The demons know there's God. They know who Jesus is, and they know who you are. They know who you are, if you're really who you say you are as a people of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Do you believe in God? Come on, come on, help me out, wake up. Do you love God? Tell them you love God. Tell them every day I love you Lord. And, And I'm gonna teach you something that I do because You see, I've I've had to learn love. I can't say my family didn't love me, but we weren't intimate. We weren't an intimate family. I'm still learning it. It, It's not normal to me. You know, that that depression spirit and mentality got, got imparted to me, you know, where the man just works and just provides, and that's love. And, you know, you discipline with the hard rod of the hand. And if you gotta work 20 hours, so be it. That's what you're supposed, you see, that was love in that time. And it's been a while for me to translate that into the balance of love. So here's what I have to do, and here's what I've done, and I find out it works well for me. Maybe maybe you don't need it, I don't know. But you know what I do? I say, Lord, let me love with your love. Let me love with your love, because my love falls flat. My love fails. Let me love with you, love. And then something happens. I feel this crushing within my spirit, and my soul goes to its knees. And I percolate knowing that I can love. That's part of being a worshiper in today's world. The worship releases. The love and it flows so we need to be watchmen watchmen who declaring and watching and seeing you're not gonna see if you don't look I'm so used to being rejected for looking I sort of enjoy rejection now how sick is that I've had to release things in the Lord to the world that brought me immense persecution and the funny thing about it is when they come true, the whole world is pssst. And then you hear all these different people saying they said the same thing five years ago. I call them rearview prophets. I was looking at a publication this morning, very early. It comes up on my phone. <sighs> I had to take two Tums because my stomach got upset. You know what it was, what would you expect at New Year's? This is the Lord's word for you. This is going to be your best year ever. God says, go into this year with optimism. The Lord says that something wonderful is going to happen for you. Ah. We live every day like that. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. They should be saying, love God. Love God. And you can't love God if you don't fear God. Come on. And the fear of the Lord isn't just love. I heard that message. I was with the love message for 10 years. Wonderful man of God, but he didn't preach the fear of the Lord. He just preached the love of the Lord. And a lot of those people aren't even serving the Lord anymore because they didn't learn to fear the Lord. By the grace of God, I learned to fear the Lord before I knew how to love the Lord. And it took me about five years to love the Lord before, while I was fearing the Lord. But that fear of the Lord kept me in the Lord. God, God is a God of justice and judgment. God does have a patience that all of a sudden expires. We've seen it so many times. I've seen it here on earth. I've seen people that have had multiple opportunities to turn their lives around and all of a sudden they're snuffed out with nary of repentance. I've seen pastors who have turned sideways and given away their ministry and the treasures and the gifts that God has given them to pursue for their own goals and their own lives. I've seen them take it away in the, in the moment of an airplane crash. I've seen it. I've seen people that have have come with, with words that are mean and hypocritical, that are pastors and leadership, that have been turned inside out. We saw it here locally two years ago. You see, I'm bold, I speak the truth. Why, because people of God gotta learn that that stuff is not tolerable to God. And to whom much is given, much is required. I know I have a big requirement, do you know? I walk in it, I walk in the fear of the Lord. And you know what? As I pray for the Lord to let me love with his love, I say, Lord, never let my fear for you. Never let it expire. I know right now, if I were to walk across that line and start walking away from the Lord, I expect he'd take me away in a heartbeat. The question is, where would I end up? Have you ever wondered about Solomon? A lot of people ask me I used to do Salem Radio, Network Radio, 13 years. For some reason, it was the most popular program on Salem Radio, live out of Canton, praying for people for miracles. They'd drive in their trucks, semi. A guy came from Buffalo and parked outside waiting for me to pray for him. All the way from Buffalo in his truck, he diverted to come because he needed a prayer for his child for miracles. And I said, over and over and over, it's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. Yes, grace is wonderful, but without the fear of the Lord, grace is nothing more than a ticket to sin and fail. You can't separate them. So as we're transitioning, as we're transforming from a glory to a glory, as we've crossed a threshold And everyone who's alive in the world right now is receiving an anointing to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, whether they know it or not. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. One thing we need to embed deep inside of ourselves is the fear of the Lord. And don't mushy it down. Fear God. You know one reason why we need to fear the Lord? Because that's proportionate to what the Lord can trust you with. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He doesn't take them back. That's a blessing and that's a curse. Those gifts can become a curse, the blessings of God, to somebody who begins to abuse them. And so many times, how many of you have seen that somebody's gift has become their curse? I've seen it so many times. I, by the grace of God, he pulled me by my foot back out of that system and that business of the ministry out in the world and sat me down for years until it didn't matter to me anymore. Because you see, we're ministers in the fire of the flame of the glory of God. The glory of God cannot mix with flesh they don't work together. The glory of God is the God stuff. It's the essence of God. Glory is to God as to what blood is to humanity. You can't separate it. God is his glory. Glory isn't something separate from God. And that's another miscommunication in the body of Christ right now. Oh, the glory came. That's the presence of God. Rise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. can't rise upon me if I'm flesh. I have to be walking in purity and holiness of God, not because I can do it myself, but because I know He was made sin who knew no sin, that I could become the righteousness of God. So for us to be ministers in the glory in this dark age, we have to be those who are not ministering in the flesh. And so that's why One scripture we all don't like, but it's true. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's working it out. You understand what I'm saying? That's not just resting in grace. I rest in grace, but I don't want to frustrate grace. That's not my ticket to sin. That's my ticket to flesh. That's not my ticket to walk away from serving God and just, you know, roasting on a seat during holidays. That's not what it is. The fear of the Lord, a timeless mindset, A mindset that says I'm not governed by what was. I'm not even governed by what is. But all things work together for good to those who love God and are called. If you're alive today and you believe in Jesus, you're called. You're called. Say, Pastor, what am I called to do? I don't know, you better ask them. But I know one thing, we're all called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, that I know. Save souls, preach wherever you go show love of christ pray and pray some more and pray with purpose and hold on and don't compromise don't compromise i've given um i want to shift into this now as we take the offering and then i'm going to conclude this because you have a whole bunch of food out there waiting for you for our chat chill and child time together Um, Jim Headley has these handouts that we put together and I encourage every adult to take one doesn't matter you don't need one per family and actually if there's a child in here or somebody you're welcome to one too while we're passing those out if you also want an envelope just put your hand up and let Art know, we'll get you an envelope for the offering. We're gonna take care of this all at the same time. If you're online, you'll be able to go online tomorrow or Tuesday at the very least, and you'll see all of this posted online so you can reference it there or print it and hold on to it. This handout that you're getting is about our fast and it's about our prayer points and it's about a letter as we transition from this year into the next. If you'd like to make a a tithe offering, please, we we welcome you. Uh, You can do it online at www.touchheaven.com. You can text at 330-845-6005, or you can mail to Touch Heaven Church, 10 Skyline Drive. Make sure that everybody gets a handout, please. You know, I was thinking about how excited everybody gets about the New Year's, right? Most people do. Some people, they're they're in doom and gloom And I was wondering, my mind gets a little crazy sometimes, saying, Lord, who gets the most excited about a new year? It must have been the Jew and me kicked in. And I said, well, it's probably the businesses that make calendars, right? They get the most excited about a a new year. And I've always wondered why they don't give us like five-year calendars Why do we get a one-year calendar? And a one-year calendar will take you like up to half a January. Because I was looking at the one in my office last night. Half a January, Doc, I had to throw the thing away. I said, what good is that? I couldn't even count the 21 days for the fast because it quit. And I said, oh, it's the calendar companies. They're not stupid. You know, I need a new calendar. Sonny, I need a new calendar. (laughs) We need new calendars, Sonny. (laughs) Yeah. While you're receiving your handout, I just want to go over a few things with you. And um, we are going to launch our ministry fast this coming Friday on the 5th. And it will go for 21 days through to Thursday, January 25. Now lest you begin to panic there's options for fasting first of all if medically you have issues make sure you're wise in those issues do what you're supposed to do you'll see that on the second page there's a guide for this fast and the option number one is one small snack in the morning this is the first week it's a three week a liquid nourishment midday and one moderate meal in the evening. That's pretty easy. You know, that's just a sort of be smart. Don't make your one moderate meal, you know, five pounds of pasta with six meatballs and a couple spare ribs. Week two, we transition to vegetables and fruit and liquids. So part of this is cleansing our body, and also it's making us more sensitive, and then week three is liquids. I encourage you to drink as much water in the fast as you can, not only to flush out your body, it'll quench hunger. You'll find out that when you're getting a little hungry, and and your body's saying it's lunchtime, if you drink two eight-ounce glasses of water, you're not going to be hungry, at least not in your stomach might be in your mind we we are asking the Lord to ignite and to open up the windows of heaven for a spirit powered fire right now with the anointing to prepare the way and you'll be able to read some of what I gave you today is is in this we're going to isolate ourselves as best we can with fasting, worship, praise, and prayer. There's a time frame of some of these meetings and events here in our church on the top of the second page. Monday, Brandon and Vanessa are going to head up prayer in the house. We suggested at 6.30 and others who can join in, you can come to the house and pray. Wednesdays, Pastor Cheryl has the breakout midweek service at 6:45. so those are the dates through the fast and it's a time of miracles and declarations deliverance and prayer thursdays we have pastor ralph and kim with intercessory prayer at five o'clock here in the house and then they go right into a bible study break the bread at 6 pm fridays both on the 12th and the 19th we're going to have open heavens worship and that'll be coordinated by our worship team and Pastor Ralph. Sunday mornings, as we have, we have light the fire prayer at 9 a.m., and then we have services, 9.45. So you have a way to connect. Read about the personal benefits, because they're there. And you could see that there's another option in the fasting, and that's, no meat, no sweets, no bread, and drink a lot of water and juice. And then there's a partial fast for those of you who feel that's what you need to do or you have to do also for health reasons, and you could read how that works. One encouragement to you, you know, it's, it's, it's not legalism. It's your commitment. And so, you know, if something happens and you don't quite stick to this, on a given day, don't throw it all out the window, just jump back in. Just jump back in, because we're doing this as a fellowship and a ministry around the world. And we're doing it with focus. And so with that, we're asking you to look at the reference letter from Pastor Laura Lee and I, and in that letter we've listed the, the ministries and the things going on in the house. Pray write down those, please. And then we listed our outreach in churches around the world, Burundi and Kenya and Africa and India and Nicaragua and our covenant church in, in um, Dallas and Pakistan. We've asked you to pray and to take time in each of those areas and pray as you go and, of course, for Israel. And then as you go forward... You'll see also that there's a prayer guide, and I've asked you to take a few minutes on each of these prayer points. Now, you may or may not be able to get to them all in one day in the morning or at night or whatever, but, but pray over them. And these have been accumulated by the Bible studies team on Thursday night, the most of them, with my editing and some changes. And some of these are for yourself for the mantle of prayer to enshroud you, etc. So, take some time. Read your little handout. It's yours to reference. Make notes on it. Do with it as you wish. But we will start on January 5th, Friday, with our fast. And then we'll conclude on January 25th. Believe God... For yourselves to receive vision to see some clarity sensitivity to have the power to overcome some stuff and if you make a prayer covenant with god to bless somebody else then keep them in your heart and keep blessing them or it's a multiple people right but i know that this is this is spirit led of god and i know that we've crossed the threshold and we're in a prophetic time i believe god that some of the things i've been holding back i'll be released to share prophetically coming into the future both with the forthcoming elections in the united states and some stuff in the world i've been holding them back now for quite a while and uh we don't need to get into that today why but I know now that I'm, I'm going to have to step out with those things soon. So probably it will be happening during that period of time. I'll be praying for you. You please be praying for me. When I tell you I pray for you, I don't say that lightly. You know, I've got this like, your face has come before me in the middle of the night and I pray for you. And, and I thank God for that. I thank God for that. And I find that it's, perfect peace and i find that it has power right so uh lord thank you for this offering we dedicate it unto you lord we ask you to transform it from just mere currency and paper here to treasures in heaven both under the account of those who could give and couldn't give equally from this house and we ask you lord to let us be good stewards of what you give us to multiply it in the earth as We've seen you do so amazingly from this little house in our diaspora of churches around the world. Oh my God, who are we, Lord, that you bless us so much with that opportunity? So Father, bless your people. Fill their storehouses with multiple blessings, Lord, rich in blessings of all kind, with peace and long life and prosperity and health. And thank you, Lord, for that spirit of reconciliation loosened in families and houses today. In Jesus' name, amen.